Hi, everyone. I know recently we announced we were going to two episodes a week and then three episodes a week. But you know what? There are just too many episodes. So we are going to back to five episodes a week. Still a reduction from seven, but there were just too many interviews scheduled, and I didn't want to make all the authors wait for too long. So I hope you can keep up with me. Listen to one a week as you're on your way to work or on your way home or putting your kids to bed or whatever it is you're doing. Moms don't have time to read books now five times a week. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hi, this is Ivy Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm also the host of Moms Don't Have Time to Lose Weight, and I'm the editor of the anthology, which you should run out and buy, called Moms Don't Have Time to, a quarantine anthology. All proceeds of that book go to COVID-19 vaccine research. And I'm the editor-in-chief of Moms Don't Have Time to Write, a new publication on Medium, and we're accepting submissions, so please send your personal essays there. And if all that isn't enough, you can follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens, and my website is zibbyowens.com. Okay, now back to this amazing podcast. Nathan Harris is the author of The Sweetness of Water, which was Oprah's book pick in July. Nathan holds an MFA from the Michener Center at the University of Texas. He is the recipient of the University of Oregon's Kid Prize and was a finalist for the Tennessee Williams Fiction Prize. He lives in Austin, Texas, and The Sweetness of Water is his first and best-selling novel. Welcome, Nathan. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss the sweetness of water. Pleasure to be here. Happy to chat. So would you mind telling everybody what your book is about, just to give them sort of the elevator pitch, which I know is like terrible that I ask authors to do this, but, (laughs) you know, just in case you haven't said it lately, you can practice it out now. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, the book follows two freedmen immediately after the Civil War during Reconstruction, And they're trying to decide what to do with their lives, effectively. And they find themselves on the land bordering the plantation where they grew up. And they become very close with the uh, farmer there, George Walker, and his wife, Isabel. And the Walkers are grieving the loss of their son, Caleb, in the Civil War. And the brothers are almost like uh, surrogate children to them for a time. 
and they are working George's land to save up to move north, and he's paying them a fair wage. He's from the north originally. And little do they know, as soldiers return from the Civil War and bulldogs, the community continues to grieve the Confederacy loss, that that relationship will have catastrophic consequences for everybody in Old Ox in ways that readers will just have to find out when they pick up the book. But it goes in a lot of different directions and it's a, it's a lot of fun. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you're writing, and I know I said this when we first got on, but I mean, it literally felt like I was reading a classic that I would read in school, like your language. I couldn't believe, well, first of all, I just couldn't believe you're so young in general, not that young people can't write, but that was like just even more astounding to me. And just the, like, seriously, the maturity of your language and the way you put the reader right in the setting and the dialogue and the feelings, even of the mom, I'm like, I'm like, this is really good, right? Like hanging the laundry and like the, you know, the the secret fantasies about the man. I mean, this is good stuff. This is like, so how did you do this? How did you tell me about your writing career, how you started when you knew you were a writer, like, and how you so effectively kind of get into other people's shoes and set the stage. I don't know. I have a million questions. That wasn't very concise, but whatever. No, no, that's all. That's all good. Yeah. I mean, that's what writing to me is all about. I mean, you said it. I mean, that idea of empathy and putting yourself in other people's shoes. I mean, that's my goal every day I sit at my at my laptop and, and start typing, you know, is wanting to do that as best as possible. And, you know, I just I just look at the people around me sort of for inspiration. I don't it's it's not that I'm writing about the people around me, but it's like it is about thinking about my mom doing the laundry you know if it's we've all grieved the loss of someone we've all sort of been in that position of deciding what are we going to do next with our lives like what the what the brothers are going through in this book on a much larger level of course but yeah so i mean i you know i'll I'll stand up and i'll be pacing for an hour just thinking what would this feel like you know Mm -hmm. and then if things start to slowly click over time sort of a, a anguished period there and i I just try to channel it, you know, and I've been, I've been writing for years to answer that question. Since I was a kid, I was always bad at science. I was bad at math. I was always trying to find that one thing I was good at. And I still don't think I'm a great writer, but um, it's one of those things you can work at every day. And fortunately it's subjective, unlike math and science. And that's a good thing. So I, can, <laughs> I can always be getting better. You can't just get an F on, on writing. I like the thing. So yeah, I just took up writing and went with it. I think I should like go to schools and just recruit the bottom of the science class and be like, you're going to be a writer. (laughs) (laughs) I agree. I agree. Science was my, it's the only C I ever got in high school. I have to say this biology test freshman year, and I'm still upset about it. You'll remember, don't you? I mean, it was, it was brought everything down. I couldn't believe it. Once it's there, you can't get it off. Anyway, whatever. Yes. (laughs) Not to say writers can't also be good at science. But maybe there's some inverse correlation going on. (laughs) That's so interesting that you walk around and like take the time. It's almost like you're an actor, right? The way that you put it. There's there's like a saying that actors use when they like set the scene. I just learned about this from my husband. What's it called? It's like I'm going to. Well, now I can't remember. But anyway, it's like you have to, you draw on all your own emotions and then all of a sudden you like roll right into the dialogue that's in the script, right? But first you're like Mm -hmm. talking about getting rejected at a school dance. And then the next second you're saying the line about, you know, that you're supposed to say. And it's, it sounds like it's like a similar process, this like immersion, as opposed to just sitting and typing and having it be like, okay, well, this is what I think they might feel like. 
Right. Yeah, a combination. Gosh, being an actor would be scary. I could never do that. <laughs> but you know, I. <laughs> but there's elements of that. You know, I mean, I guess I think of it almost more as as perhaps that meeting like a meditation of sorts. You know, and it's like you talk about flow, and it's sort of like a fiction writing flow, and it takes some time. You sit there with the nuts and bolts of it, and the nuts and bolts are super important. I mean, that's what we learn in writing classes, and. That's why I tell writers to, yeah, take a writing course. It will absolutely help you. You know, you need to have that. But at some point, if you're going to really dig into who these people are, you need to reach that level or try to reach that level where you are almost one with them. And that does involve some level of, of suppressing yourself for, I mean, I don't know, even a few minutes, you know, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, and just trying to find those characters. And some days it doesn't work, and some days it does. And those are the days you have to show up at your laptop every day to see if the characters show up. And when they do, magic can happen. I love that. Yeah, I'm I'm very happy to suppress myself. <laughs> I find that a welcome relief from my own head. That's why I think I like books. I like writing and reading, and I'm just like, get me out of here. <laughs> That's Dave. That's why we do it. That is Dave. That- thrilling, you know, feeling of, you know, entering that other world. That's, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Also the way that you, so this is right. Historical fiction, really, right. You have a specific point of time and a specific event, which like launches it all, right. The emancipation. And what is that like that day? Right. Was that like, did you start off by saying like, I wonder what it would be like, like when you were all your life working or not even working, I can't even call it working, but being enslaved on, on this farm. And then the next thing you know, it's like, okay, you're free to go. And that they had imagined, like, would there be, balloon, not balloons, but would there be fireworks? Would it be like a whole thing? And that like random, it's like some schlub who shows up being like, okay, goodbye, you can go, right? It's like, what is that like? What is that moment? What are they thinking? Are they afraid to go? And then like, what happens next? It's really, it's, it's amazing because then, we're right there too, right? We're in there. It's just, anyway. No, I mean, that that was the, you hit the nail on the head. That was the, that, that was the compelling moment for me and the launch point of so much of it. Because, yeah, I, I love fiction set during this time period. You know, I always have. It's just so much of what they were going through then is honestly what we're going through now in a lot of ways. I mean, just these tumultuous times that they're going through then and now. But that specific moment of the brothers being free and stepping off the plantation property and just the world being open to them all of a sudden. And I, I remember really like we were talking about being in their bodies um, in a way and just kind of looking out there and being like, what would I do? What would anyone do? How do you know what to do? How do you choose what to do? And it was just strange to think, gee, I've, I've really never read a, a, a novel that covered that specific moment. And I mean, immediately I was like, well, I can't do it. You know, that's, I think a lot of writers deal with that, but you know, it's that classic line of if it's not written, you have to write it. And I just decided I was going to give it my all, you know, age be damned and lack of experience be damned. So, you know, I just, I just went for it. And the sweetness of water is what, what came. Wow. From. Well, I mean, Oprah seems to think you did a good job. So and she does, yes. <laughs> this ultimate compliment. <laughs> so what was that like getting to be, and now I'm annoyed I didn't go back and watch your interview with her, which I wish I had. Uh-huh. Now I can do it after this. I didn't have time before, but what was that like, you know, being 
picked and then getting to do the book club with her on Apple TV. Like, what is that like for you? I mean, obviously life-changing, but I mean, I shouldn't yeah. say that. What was that like for you? <laughs> no, I think it has to be life-changing in a way. It's, it's life-changing and it's indescribable because, you know, you, you write, you write fiction in your own world. You know, I, I say it's a universe populated by one. And then all of a sudden your book is out there and every reader kind of has their own little planet in your universe. And you have this, these galaxies and all these people, you know, interacting with the book and to have, to have Oprah acknowledge it and to make it a book club pick just blows it up even bigger. And you know, you're, you're swept up in it all. I mean, I was alone every day, you know, writing and all of a sudden, you know, she, they want your baby photos. They want your entire life story. You know, you're, you're flying out to California and then you're in front of Oprah and you're just having the conversation with this person who, I mean, she's the nicest person in the world and like the loveliest person. She just felt like my aunt or something immediately. And you're just having this lovely talk about this this baby that is your book that you've been holding close to, you know, the chest for so long. And it was, it was a, it was a magical thing. You know, I couldn't, I couldn't have been more honored. Her, her and Obama, both incredibly That's right. crazy. Sorry. Things. I forgot Obama, you know, <laughs> I can't keep up, Nathan. It's like, geez. Well, you read a lot of books to be fair. So no, but it's true. I remember that. Yeah. You were on his whole list, right? That was amazing. I mean, yeah. wow. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So here is my real question is how do you keep up with your emails when all this stuff is happening? Like you must get like so many emails. How do you manage the emails? Well, I mean, I'm lucky. I have, you know, my, my publicist, Little Brown, she, she'll filter through all this, the engagements and stuff like that. But I mean, I, I think to me, it's a, it's a framing question for me. It's how do you keep time to yourself and to write and to, do your work. And so that's putting aside every morning, you know, for me. And that's my time to, you know, make sure I, I continue on this path of, of getting the words on the page and, you know, 
whatever it be, short story, nonfiction, my next book, whatever it is. And then as the day progresses, you kind of lose that that sense of constant um, stress of I, I, you know, I haven't worked, I haven't got this done and that done. It's like, okay, you did the priority, which is you, which is your work. And now it's like, I'm happy. I'll check my Gmail, you know, <laughs> like I, I, I got a few hours, I got all day, you know? So yeah, I just, I just try to prioritize me as best I can. Some things, you know, you just, you just got to get to. And then I, you know, enter into my inbox once, once that's over with. So what are you working on now? Right now? I mean, I'm, I'm back and forth between a few projects and, you know, Tobias Wolf always said, you know, if you talk about a work too early, it hardens it in a way, you know, you have this unmolded flowing thing. It's like the wind almost. And It'll, I mean, my metaphor is breaking, but it'll, it'll mold into ice and snap and <laughs> you need some sort of a water element there. But yeah, no, so I, I'm not going to speak to the next projects, but they're there. I'm, I'm feeling, I'm feeling good about them, but a way is off, you know, so. Do you feel like to- all this pressure? Do you feel like, oh my gosh, what if I don't, what if the next one's terrible or what if I can't do it again? Or, you know, it's funny. I was. Well, the, the third the third thing we haven't talked about is, is the, the Booker Prize long list. And I, I only bring it up, not to brag, but I bring it up because I was looking at Ishiguro, who's nominated as well this year, is one of my favorite authors. And um, I was just looking at all the books he had published. And I've read some of them. I haven't read some of them. I hadn't heard of some of them. And some of them are my favorite books. I love The Remains of the Dead. Just the big book for me. And just looking at his work and seeing how it progressed over time, you know, you just you just have to keep going, you know, um, and no way am I saying he has any duds in his catalog. I, I haven't read some of his books, but it's just, I haven't heard of them. Some people haven't heard of some of them. Some some of them are fantastic. Some of them might be OK. I don't know. But it's like you just have to keep going. That's what, you know, being an artist is, I think. And I have these sort of, you know, iconic writers like him and Colson Whitehead and so many others who I can just see that they just pushed forward no matter how much success they might have had, you know, and, or, you know, again, I I just hope to follow that path and just stay true to myself and stay away from the reviews and, you know, or that, that feeling of pressure and just go my own way and make it what it is. Have you had a lot of support within the author community? Oh yeah. I mean, you know, I go back to coming to the listeners. I'm in Austin, if you didn't know, and I go back to entering the Missioner Center here. That's the the program, my writing program that I was in a few years back. And I mean, the community that sprung from that and the the authors who are working there and my cohort, I mean, it's an invaluable resource, you know, and to have them before all this happened and then to be able to rely on them after means so much. And you hear other writing programs where, you know, you go through and it's like you never existed to the instructors. And it's just not the case here. You know, I was just getting tacos with one of my previous instructors you know, talking about my new work. So it's, you know, you just have to find that. that so little he memory. gets to hear about your new work, but I do not. It's okay. I'll forgive you. Won't hold it against you. That's, that's, you know, you got to have those one or two people who are okay. (laughs) So much for your big quote. It's completely not true. It's still unformed. It's still (laughs) unformed. It it hardened, the work hardened a teensy bit. I was was okay, fine. Yeah. So you just got to keep that small network. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Well, you've already given a lot of advice, but a little more. Do you have any more advice for aspiring authors as you, you know, 
coming off the success of this book and all of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I always quote Jonathan Latham. I say, always make contact with your work every day. I'm a really big believer in, you know, not having a word count for yourself or anything like that. Just sit with the work every day. I don't care if it's five minutes, it's an hour today. I don't care if it's revising or writing new work, you know, and just don't have any pressure on yourself. I, I always I always think that to myself and it's hard. And I always tell other people that because this is hard stuff, you know, and there's absolutely no reason for you to cause more anxiety for yourself. Just sit with it, you know, give it the time it deserves and, you know, and trust it. No pressure and trust are the most important things. And over time, it'll write itself, you know, but you just got to be patient. Be patient with yourself. Yeah, that's what I'd say. And how does your mom feel that now her, you know, midday fantasies are in your book for all to see? Oh my God. I mean, she's my biggest fan. Uh-uh. <laughs> Dad too. But yeah, I mean, when I, I still remember calling my mom with the Oprah news. You're not supposed to tell anybody, but Oprah didn't tell me that. So I called her immediately. It's my mom, of course. And Wait, did Oprah herself call you? Oh yeah. Oh, Oprah calls you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I can tell you the whole story. I was Tell me the whole I, story, I, please. <laughs> okay. I mean, I so I have um, a lot of, I deal with like health anxiety. So it's like, I'm always worried I'm dying from this and that. That's just how I am. And my publisher told me there was news. I thought it was terrible news. I thought I was like, they're not going to publish my book for some reason, you know? And I had hives. I broke out in hives. And I had read that you can enter, you can get anaphylactic shock when you have hives. So I decided I'm going to go to urgent care just in case. So I'm kind of panicking. I'm driving to urgent care and I get this phone call from the Chicago number. And <laughs> lo and behold, it's Oprah Winfrey. So we have this phone call. Wait, did you pull over? Here. Did you pull over? I, I got to urgent care and I parked by then. And then I'm pacing at urgent care and talking to Oprah and she's going, oh, Nathan, I just, I love the book. I, and she's going through different lines she loved and par- reading paragraphs to me, talking about the, asking me questions about the characters. And I had already reached the peak of my, uh, you know, panic for the day. So I was just kind of at peace with it all. And we just had this wonderful talk. And that's when I called my mom. Uh, <laughs> that was sober. And um, yeah, she just nearly drove off the road and started to cry. Aww. That's that's what it's all about. You know, you know, growing up, she read to me every morning and she's followed me every step of the way. And I can I can assure you that moms do find time to read. At least you know, my mom did. And one of my greatest experiences is the Oprah thing and you know, having her read my book. You know, it's 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 beautiful. Beautiful. I love that. I just love that. Oh my gosh. I'm now putting myself in your mom's shoes and imagining if I can't think of which child of mine might ever be able to do that, but <laughs> if he was. Well, it might, you know, maybe it won't be Oprah, but I can, I can't assure you, but I'm sure you'll have those moments. It'll be just as. No, just I'm as kidding. Fast. I do. I have those moments. I'm very proud, but yes. <laughs> You know, I haven't driven off the road quite yet, but they're still young. You know, I've, you know, there's still time for yeah. driving off the road. Keep that. Yeah. Driving off the road. Good news. Yes. Gosh, yes. the irony. I also feel, you know, in addition to recruiting authors from the bottom of the science class heap, I could also do like, a, you know, if you are on anti anxiety medication, come here and write a book. <laughs> like, 
<laughs> I, I also feel like anyone with anxiety, I think this is why when I talk to authors, I feel like I like find my people in a way, right? Because like, I thought that anxiety and all that was so unique to me until I realized that like everybody I talk to now feels the same way. <laughs> you know, all those thoughts and, you know, the bad news and the stress and the panic and all that. It's, it's so common. It's so common. You just have to own it. And, you know, it's, you have to, you know, it's important to deal with it and to meditate or whatever you do, but also it's, it's, you know, it's okay. You're part of this world. You're thinking things through, you're dealing with it. And, you know, for my writing, I try to lean into what are you thinking about today? Why are you thinking about it? You know, try to get it down in some way, you know, even if you're not writing fiction, having a diary or whatever, you know? So I don't know. It's all, all of my fellow anxiety sufferers out there. I'm, I'm with you. You know, like we're going to deal with the best we can in whatever way we can. So. I love that. Amazing. All right. Well, this has been so much fun. Oh my gosh. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for this absolutely beautiful book. I can't wait to follow your career. I'm really excited. Rising, you know, not even rising star. What do you say when someone's already a star? But it's just very cool. You know, there's sometimes like a book gets all this attention and I'm like, can it really be that good? You know? Like, I, I don't even want to read it. it. It must not be that good. I don't want to be disappointed. And, but this was so good and it was so beautiful and it was so easy to get like right into it. You know, like it was so immersive and you're just right in the scene. And I just, it was fantastic. Bravo. It, it means the world to hear that. I'm so glad you enjoyed it and I'm so glad we got to chat. Yeah, me too. All right. Keep it up. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> <We'll do. laughs> okay. All right. Bye, Nathan. Bye now. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 